RPC Radio. Hello and welcome to Taxing Matters, your one-stop audio shop for all things tax, brought to you by RPC. My name is Alice Kemp and I will be your guide as we explore the sometimes hostile and ever-changing landscape that is the world of tax law and tax disputes. Taxing Matters brings you a roadmap to guide you and your business through this labyrinth. In case any of you miss any crucial information or just want some bedtime reading, there is a full transcript of this and indeed every episode of Taxing Matters on our website at www.rpc.co.uk forward slash taxingmatters. Have you ever wondered about the language we use when we talk about tax? And does that language influence or betray how we feel about tax as individuals or what as a society? I have, and it turns out others have as well. Today I'm delighted to be joined by one of the other people who has done a lot more than just ponder this question, Kirsty Skates, founder of Illum Linguistics. Illum Linguistics are a team of linguistics experts who specialise in using techniques from language science to analyse organisational, customer and community discourse. Their focus is on identifying the underlying assumptions and gaps in understanding that get in the way of effective communication between organisations and the people they want to connect with. Illum use these insights to help clients from private, public and third sector shape communications and guide behavioural change. Kirsty has worked in the field of organisational and individual behaviour change for over 20 years and has always been fascinated by the power of language to reveal people's beliefs about themselves, others and the world around them. So Kirsty, welcome to Taxing Matters. Thanks Alice, thanks very much for having me. We're discussing today your recent research paper published in December last year on the fascinating topic of how tax is framed by the private client industry, a linguistic analysis, which was commissioned by the Good Ancestor Movement. So starting off, what is the Good Ancestor Movement? The Good Ancestor Movement is an interesting organisation that was set up by an ex-private wealth lawyer, Stephanie Brobby, who wanted to focus on tackling wealth inequality by challenging the norms that exist in both the private wealth industry and amongst wealth holders about things like the way that wealth is accumulated or what we're talking about today, how tax is minimised. They work with wealth holders who want to explore what their values are in relation to their wealth, wealth holders who want to move away from the idea of protecting and preserving wealth to perhaps something like setting a financial ceiling for their personal wealth or looking at wealth redistribution within their community. They also work with advisors from firms across the wealth management industry who want to challenge some of the norms that exist around investments, wealth accumulation and tax. And they work alongside organisations like the Patriotic Millionaires and Tax Justice UK. Excellent. Sounds like a great movement. So why did they commission you? Why is language important? They wanted to take an objective look at how the private client industry talks about tax. When I say talks, I mean in the broadest sense, thinks about, communicates. And what they wanted to do was to look at two things. One is around the broad narratives that are used, how a tax and tax services presented by the private client industry. Also, how's tax framed? How are those narratives laid out? Is tax framed in a positive, neutral or negative way? And the intention was to look at this and show what's become normal in the industry. There are a few different ways you could tackle this question, but 
our approach was to start with the analysis of language. The reason that we are looking at language and you asked why is language important is because it's incredibly powerful. We all know that in terms of communication, language is important, but it's also a really rich source of insight. One of the things that we do is to look at language and look at the patterns of language that we see within a discourse. For this particular project, we looked at the language used by a hundred of the leading firms in the private client industry, law firms, wealth managers, private banks, accountancies, financial planners. And we looked specifically at their websites and the section where they talked about tax and tax services. The main reason for using that data is because it's in the public domain, it's easy to access. Obviously, these are not individual private conversations between advisors and their clients, but we know that this type of formal and published language can often provide a window into the types of informal ways of thinking and talking that exist within an organisation or industry. We use a systematic qualitative method called discourse analysis. This is where we look at language data and we're trying to identify patterns not just in terms of what's said, themes, but also how people talk about things, how organisations construct or present ideas. To give you some ideas, we'll often look for things like metaphors. Um, metaphors can be a great source of insight about a particular topic or how a particular customer or client group are constructed. Or we'll look at things like how certain is the language used? Are people being very declarative and certain or are they being cautious and hedging in the language they use. We might look at absences, what might we expect to see in the language that we don't see. So in this work, we were looking for patterns across the whole industry, rather than focusing on any one organisation or even one part of the industry, like lawyers or accountants, for example. Once we see these patterns, what worldview does this language project? What underlying frames of reference are being drawn on? for us to see this language. This is important because in any industry or sector or organisation, familiar language becomes invisible. It's just normal. It's just how we talk about things. Any of us will have noticed when we first join a new organisation or a new community, there are different ways of thinking, talking and writing that seem a bit odd. But once you've been there for a while, you can't see it anymore. So from experience, we know what can happen, particularly in established industries, is that this type of language and the associated narrative and assumptions just become crystallized or fossilized and that can get out of sync with society and customers and clients expectations as they move on. What we do is help make those assumptions visible then organizations or industries can decide whether that's working for them or if there are other alternatives they want to consider. That's excellent. And it seems incredibly broad. But what did we draw as conclusions from your research? There were a set of language patterns that emerged from the data. But there was one key finding, which was that everything we saw was centred around a single dominant narrative that was played out again and again across pretty much all the organisations that we were looking at. And this was framing tax in a negative way as an obstacle, a burden, a threat, something to be minimised, mitigated, or in the case of inheritance tax, avoided entirely. We saw phrases like, don't get stitched up to pay more than you should, 
tax can be a major obstacle to achieving your ambitions. You might say that negative framing of tax is not a surprise. But what was surprising, and in our experience, quite unusual, was the pervasiveness of this single narrative. You'd expect a little bit more of a fracturing of narratives. So you might see a dominant narrative, for example, if you take the sustainability industry, but you would also expect to see some fresh or emerging narratives where organisations are talking in a different way or presenting what they do or how they're thinking about things in a novel way. And yet in this language data, it was so consistent between organisations, even down to the sentence level, that we kept having to check to make sure we weren't inadvertently looking at the same organisation. But no, it was a different organisation using almost exactly the same terms and phrases. We were looking for what an alternative narrative might be beyond this negative framing of tax. And I even had to say to the Good Ancestor Movement, what might an alternative framing look like? Because I thought I must be missing something. And they talked about tax as a contribution to society or responsibilities that individuals have as citizens. We looked closer and across 100 firms, there was only one reference to tax that you could describe as positive or pro-tax. And that was buried away in a blog post from Switzerland. It was an anecdote about a client. There were a few neutral framings of tax. And I have to say, probably most from law firms where there was references to compliance or being compliant. But that homogeneity really indicates how normalised this negative framing of tax has become. There are a few components that we saw of this overall negative narrative of tax. The first was that tax is presented as an unavoidable certainty. We saw that phrase again and again. Organisations seem to love the quote about death and taxes, whether that's attributed to Mark Twain or Daniel Defoe. This idea of unavoidable certainty, it sounds like it could be neutral. But when we went to look out in the wider world at how that phrase is used. So what other sorts of themes or ideas is it typically used with? We saw unavoidable certainty being linked to clogged drains, death, bigotry, failings. So not good things. First of all, we have this negative framing around tax. Then there's the tax landscape. This was presented as a constantly changing, perilous environment, a really clear metaphor cluster around webs, mazes, minefields, this whole sense of risk and jeopardy. And within that context, you've got the advisory firm positioned as the trusted guide who can help clients navigate that dangerous complexity. We saw this metaphor of navigation, we'll guide you, we'll use our expertise to navigate the tax minefield. That might be reassuring, but it also implicitly sets up a relationship dynamic where you have the advisor leading the way, whether that's intended or not. And we know that if you have a relationship where one party has a clear positioning, so for example, as the navigator, that really only leaves certain other roles for the other party, so as a follower. The other thing we saw was the way that wealth itself is presented in the context of tax. And again, there was a very, very common framing of wealth, what I ended up calling a three-part mantra, some version of grow, protect, and pass it on. Or we saw grow, preserve, distribute. Preserve, administer, enhance. This idea that the very well-established, probably historically established way of managing wealth that focuses on growing it, looking after it, passing it on, and at all stages, protecting it from tax. Any one of those stages, the wealth is at risk from tax. What firms tend to do is align themselves with that purpose. So when they're talking about their passion or their aim, it's around helping 
individuals minimize the amount of tax that's paid. We thought this might be something that's hidden, but it's right there on the surface, unhedged declarative language that the private client is there to minimize the amount of tax paid. And what that does is it really presents a strong, uncontested assumption that all clients want to pay the minimum amount of tax, which is obviously something that groups like the patriotic millionaires are pushing back on that broadly held assumption. The thing that was interesting is the way that these private client firms construct a role for the client. There's a sense in which there's a right way for clients to behave. And I don't mean right in terms of getting taxes right or being accurate. It's more a case of right in moral evaluative language. We see phrases like, it makes sense. You can prevent costly mistakes. It's one of the smartest things you can do. And in this instance, paying the minimum amount of tax is framed as the smart and sensible thing to do. It's not just that it's a desirable thing to do, but actually it's the responsible thing to do for your family and loved ones. And we see loved ones featuring strongly in the discourse, which is no surprise, but clients are regularly reminded about their responsibilities to loved ones who are set up in opposition to the taxman or to HMRC. We see references to making sure your family and not HMRC gets as much as possible. No references to the role that tax plays in contributing to society or other values that the client may have in that area. So what does all this mean and what can we do to change the tax narrative? Well, we have this narrative, no one likes to pay tax, wealth needs to be protected from the tax man, expert advisors are here to help you navigate through the complex and dangerous tax landscape and the responsible thing you can do for your loved ones is to minimise the amount of tax you pay. It's really strongly held in place. There are these oppositions that are set up, tax versus hard-earned money, your family versus HMRC, doing the right thing versus being foolish. And these oppositions and the fact that it's such a strong norm within the industry actually makes it very hard for people, whether they're clients or advisors, to think about or talk about it differently. There are no alternative choices that are currently framed in a positive way. There's no narrative around being proud to pay tax, for example, just about being proud to leave a legacy. There's talk about protecting wealth and loved ones, but nothing about protecting society or the environment. The narrative's locked in place with very few subject positions for advisors and clients. There may be all sorts of historical reasons for this. Once something's become normalised, as I said earlier on, you can't see it. But what I hope is that by showing some of these patterns, when you actually see the language laid out visibly, it makes it clear that there is a choice there. Once you see what's going on, you have a choice whether you want to break out of that mould and change it. There are a number of questions that organisations can ask themselves. Things like, is this the worldview that we intend to communicate? Are there biases or assumptions that are encoded in the language that we use? Not just on our website, but in the conversations we have. Are our attitudes and our framing of tax aligned with our clients' values and expectations? Have we talked to them about that? What we've seen is this negative framing of tax 
what would a neutral or even positive framing look like? What sorts of conversations might that lead to? I know that the Good Ancestor Movement have set up the Progressive Advisor Movement, which is a community of practice focused on creating a new vision around how the private wealth industry can support those wealth holders who want to take a different approach to the accumulation of wealth and tax potentially repurposing some of their wealth. We've spoken a lot here from the advisory point of view. Are you aware of similar issues of language and reframing that are being considered from HMRC's point of view? You're right that the work that we did was focused on the advisory community. But as part of this, we looked a little bit more broadly at the research that others have done. And we know that uh, in 2021, HMRC were looking at this very question. They wanted to look at how they could develop a more cooperative approach with wealthy individuals and their agents focused around getting tax right, reducing the tax gap. They carried out some research. Interestingly, in the introduction to that research, they talk about wealthy customers as posing challenges with their complex affairs and creating significant risks. It's interesting to me, looking at the language, that that really mirrors the same language that advisors use about HMRC. So advisors are talking to their clients about the challenges and risks that HMRC pose, HMRC are talking about wealthy clients in the same way. In the report, it talks about the fact that many agents and individuals felt that because in the past HMRC has been seen to be too close to some wealthy taxpayers, there's been a swing the other way with a language default position that all wealthy individuals are avoiding or evading tax. So they perceived HMRC to be enforcers trying to get every last penny of tax. And you get this downward spiral of mistrust. Looking at that, it feels like there's a similar thing going on to what we see with advisors, that there's a set of norms and beliefs that wealthy individuals are a homogenous group. On the case of advisors, that nobody wants to pay tax. On the case of HMRC, that everybody's trying to avoid paying tax. It feels like for both HMRC and advisors, it's important to become aware of the language they're using and the assumptions that are sitting underneath that so that they can start to create a more refined and specific approach to individual taxpayers. So finally, where does this leave us when we're talking about tax? I started by talking about the norms within an industry, the norms in terms of how you think about, talk about something, and in this instance, tax. I think that what this research shows is that there's an opportunity for the advisory industry and for HMRC to become more aware of the language they're using, the messages they're projecting to clients, to wealth holders, and to think about challenging those existing norms. Thank you so much. Unfortunately, that's all we've got time for in this week's episode. So thank you again to Kirsty from Illum for joining us. You can find further information and, of course, Kirsty's contact details on www.illumlinguistics. That's I-L-L-U-M-E-L-I-N-G-U-I-S-T-I-C-S dot com. As ever, a big thank you to Insider Productions and Andrew Waterson for the production, music and sound editing of this episode. If you have any questions for me or for Kirsty or any topics you'd like us to cover in a future episode, please do email us on taxingmatters at rpc.co.uk. We'd love to hear from you. 
And of course, a big thank you to all of our listeners for joining us. If you like taxing matters, why not try RPC's other podcast offering, Insurance Covered, which looks at the inner workings of the insurance industry, hosted by the brilliant Peter Mansfield and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast and our website. If you like this episode, please do take a moment to rate, review and subscribe. And remember to tell a colleague about us. Thank you all for listening and talk to you again shortly. Thank you.